our precious loving family and the house we call home the promise of eternal life because of calvary a peace to settle in my heart since the day he saved me
Brandon, what are they what are they singing about? Well, they're singing about a God that made himself real to them this week, like he's never made himself real to them. We have real services here at this church. We have a real pastor, we have real worship, and I'm thankful for that. But there's something about getting unplugged in their life, Miss Janet, and allowing God to move into them. I've seen them pray like I've never seen them pray. I've seen them weep like I've never seen them weep. I've seen them worship like I've never seen them worship. It ain't something that's made up. It ain't something that's fabricated. It's just something about 279 teenagers this year, Brother Brian, getting together with one mission, and that is to see God do something big in their life. And uh, so the Brandon, I've never seen them come to the altar like that. Well, God will do that for you. If you ever meet him, you'll want to come to the altar. And say, well, Brother Brandon, I don't come to the altar that much. Well, you ought to meet him. He ought, you ought to meet him. If we meet him, we'll come to the altar. I promise you. Brother Brandon, what's, the, what's wrong with their life that bad at 15, 16, 17 years old that they've got to come pray that much? They're praying that their life stays the way that it stays right now. They're not praying to get out of sin and how to get out of alcohol. And some of them may be dealing with that. Some of them may be dealing with looking at things they shouldn't look at. As us adults ought to all be thinking and praying about those things. But they're not coming necessarily just to get out of wickedness. They're coming that God would keep them holy. They're coming that God would give them a fire. You know, I'm thankful this week it's been made mention, and I'm going to Exodus 33, but, man, there was a lot of guys up there, and he was talking about preachers. Go, Brother Dean preached to the preachers this week from 845 to 945 and helped my heart, and there was a lot of young boys that couldn't go to that tent. And he made this statement. He said, just because God hadn't called you to preach don't make you a second-rate Christian. Young ladies, just because you're not married to a preacher, don't make you a second. You say, Brother Brandon, I can't sing and play the piano like Miss Savannah or Miss Caitlin or Miss Linda. I can't do that. That don't make you a second-rate Christian. You know, what we need now more than ever in our, in our days, and I'm going to get ahead of myself, Brother Brian, we need some mighty men and mighty women that will be faithful in our church, that will hold up the arms of our pastor and know what it means to have the touch of God on their life. Whether you never darken a door, whether you walk on a pulpit, whether you never open a Bible and thunder God's word, it's not about necessarily being called to preach. It's about being called to be a worshiper and a follower of Christ. And I encourage you, church, to say, Brother Brandon, they're, they're your family, and they are, and I'd protect them. And I, and I die for many of them. I'm thankful this morning. That's my little boy singing this morning. Man, that's a big hurdle. But I'm thankful for that. Man, I don't want him to lose that. I don't want him to grow up in a church that doesn't know how to be a mighty man. He's not a preacher. He's not a deacon. But I want him to know what it means to pray for his man of God. I want him to know what it means to come to the altar. I want him to know what it means to, to know what the power of God feels on your life. That man's not the only one that gets the power of God on his life. These young people can have the power of God on their life. Church, we can have the power of God on our life. I'm thankful this morning. I'm thankful for their testimonies. You say, Brother Brandon, what did God do for all of them? That's for them to tell you. But I'm thankful that God done things in my heart this week that I never want to forget. Exodus chapter 33, look at verse number 7 just for a second. The Bible says, And Moses took the tabernacle, and he pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, excuse me, and called the tabernacle the congregation. I called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone that sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass that when Moses went out unto the tabernacle, that all the people rose up and stood every man at the tent door and looked at Moses until he was gone to the tabernacle. Verse number 9, notice the Bible says, And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloud pillar, or the cloudy pillar, stood at the tabernacle door, 
And all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake to Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto a friend. And he turned as the, and he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. I said, Brother Brandon, we're a long ways from Exodus chapter number 33. Well, there was a truth revealed to me this week. There was many messages. I wrote notes down and, and done a bunch of different studies this week that God had helped me with in my life. And remember, I got help personally. I wasn't just the one driving the van. I wasn't just the one there making sure they had food or water or they went to sleep. I needed God to do something in my life, and I'm thankful God did. Many of you will never get to experience camp, but you experience it this morning. Many of you never get to go to Winter Challenge, but you can experience it through their life. Brother Brandon, why are we investing so much into their life? They're the only camp that many of you will ever get. They're the only touch of God like that that many of you ever get. Brother Brandon, it can happen at our church, and you're right, it can. And God wants it to, but I'm telling you, there's something special about young people bragging on the Lord and praising the Lord. There is no distractions. There is no restrictions. There is no, there is no proving anything. There is no, I'm better than you, or you're not better than me. There is no bitterness. There is no guile. There is nothing in the way from them serving the Lord, and that is what camp's all about. I begin to look at these verses in Exodus 33, and I want to give you a few thoughts, and we're going to close this thing down in just a minute. Give it back to Brother Brian. I'll let them mind the Lord, whatever they see fit to do. In Exodus 33, we walk into these pages of Scripture. Moses is taking the tabernacle by the Josh, and he's erecting it without the camp, or about the camp. It is referred to as the tabernacle of the congregation. In verse number 7 and 8, this tabernacle was set up without the tent, without the camp. When we come to verse number 9 and verse number 11, but the heaven God Jehovah manifest his power and his presence upon the tabernacle. Verse number 9 said the cloudy pillar descended. I've got a picture of this, a portrait of this back in my office there of that glory and that cloud over top of that tabernacle. Now it's in no way a form or shape as adequate as it was here on this day, but could you could just imagine this morning, Brother James, that, that cloud of glory descending upon that tabernacle and God himself manifesting himself to the man of God. What a sight it must have been in order to witness something that powerful. I'm thankful I may have never seen it on that fashion, but I've been in some services both here. I've been in services at North Myrtle Beach. I've been in services in Tennessee. I've been in services at Amen Drive in Georgia where I felt like I may not have seen him. It may not have been as thick, but just leave me alone. I'm telling you that the, 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 the glory began to fall and manifest his power amongst his people. And there's nothing like it. This morning, I thought about Brother Brian in this text. This morning, I, I want to draw our attention to the end of verse number 11, where the Bible says that Joshua, a servant of Moses, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. With God's help, just for a second, I'm not going to necessarily preach this, I don't think, but I want to, I want to give you a thought or give you a challenge on why I'll never leave. Why I'll never leave. That flooded my mind this week a lot, Brother Kevin, as I was going through this. If why am I still doing what I'm doing? Or why is this still something that I have a longing for? Why is my phone ringing from college and career kids? Why is my phone ringing from kids that doesn't even go to church here anymore? Why is there such a hunger? Why is there such a determination? Why is there such memories, Miss Janet, as we spoke yesterday? Why is it so special? Why do they never, ever want to leave that place? Why do they never want to forget the camp memories, Brother Allen? Why do they never want to forget the empty Kleenex boxes? And why do they ever want to forget the prayer meetings? Why don't they ever want to forget the friendships? Why don't they ever want to leave that? Why did Joshua stay behind when Moses went away? Think of the story that Joshua had to tell, Brother Bruce. Here, Joshua is there with a the man of God. He's seen God talk to Moses face to face. He's seen God do wonderful things. If anybody had any bragging rights, Brother Harold, it would have been Joshua. He could have ran back and said, guess what I saw? And guess what I saw? And guess what I seen? And guess it was me. It was me, it was I, it was I. But he just wanted to stay in the presence of God. He did not want to leave. 
Brother Brandon, why in the world, why after all this has taken place, the conversation was over and Joshua was determined to stay in the tabernacle, to stay in the presence of God, rather going on about his business. Number one, I thought about this, I'll never leave because of the man of God. Brother Brandon, what do you mean by the man of God? Verse number eight, look at your Bible. The Bible says, and it came to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood, every man at his tent door, and notice who they looked after. They looked after Moses until he was gone to the tabernacle. Verse number 9, And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle that the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Everything, and I'm not trying to elevate a man necessarily. I'm not, I'm not preaching Moses theology or Brother Brian theology, but I thank God I don't ever want to leave Brother Kevin old-time religion because of the men of God that's been in my life. Say, Brother Brandon, we've had a lot of pastors. We've had a lot of people influenced our life. Let me tell you, a true man of God is something. And I'm not pegging of myself, and I don't view myself that way, but I do view him of that way. I'm thankful that I want to keep them in what they're in because they've got a pastor that loves them. They've got a pastor that prays for them. I've had a pastor that prays for me. My little boy heard the gospel from that man of God. My other little boy is listening to the gospel from that little boy. This week, you say it don't matter, but Malachi, man, he was praying in the altar. Our boys were praying in the altar, and Josiah would say, I want to go pray. I said, what do you want to go pray about he said nothing but he wanted to go pray and I said what do you do you just take him to pray because he's got to learn that what they're experiencing is something that's changing their life and that's what I want him to long after man the man of God they looked after Moses they watched what he did and when Moses entered God showed himself the man of God to the man of God not the people but the men of God I said a while ago as I challenged them, I think about the others in our, our youth group. I think about Hoyt. I think about Jeremy. I think about Parker. I think about Carson. I think about Jesse and Garrett and others that I've got mentioned down here under my notes that I was thinking about last night. At this time, God's not called them to preach. God's not made them deacons, but I, I promise you they are the future of this church. Brother Brandon, these young men, you say, well, Brother Brandon, I'm not that old, but eventually the Brother Allens and the Brother James and the Brother Harolds and the Brother Daltons and the Brother, Brother, Je- Brother I mean, everybody in this church, Brother Bruce and Brother Jason and Brother Josh, they're going to be, we're going to be going off the picture. And if we're going to be something for the Lord 30 and 40 and 50 years from now, they need to understand what it means to see the power of God through their man of God and to watch God move in their life. God moves through choir singing, moves through Brother Mike's, Moderation of the choir. God moves through congregationals if you sing. Praise the Lord. God moves through. Amen. Brother Brian, thank you. Hey, listen, God moves through nursery work. God moves through children's church. But everything centers around that man of God opening the word of God and preaching the word of God and understanding that everything that we need comes from God's word. The Bible said the people, they worshiped when they seen it fall. They knew that God was meeting with their man of God. I wonder what it'd be like, and I've challenged them this week and even this morning to come to church wondering what kind of power God has given their preacher for this week. See, I'll never leave because of the man of God. There have been many men of God in my life, and I testified this week down there. And I'm not boasting on anybody ever again, but I'm telling you, I'm not supposed to tell them thank you while I'm here. Because when they're dead and gone, thank you ain't going to matter. We take flowers to the funeral home, and I understand the reason for that. But you ought to thank somebody here if they've made a difference in your life. I remember what it was like to grow up under men of God. I understand that. But when I came to this, when I was in my, my vital part of this year, these years of my life, I didn't have a youth pastor. I had a brother, Alan Davis. I had a Miss Chandra Davis. I had a brother, Johnny. I had a brother, I had, I had a lot of people that may not even go here anymore that's left this world. But I had somebody that believed in me that even when I wasn't living the way I was supposed to be living, they believed in me. Say, Brother Brandon, why are they so excited? Because they know if they want the power of God, it's going to come through the man of God. Can I tell you this morning, I'm never going to leave 
I'm never going to leave the presence of God because of the man of God. Number two, I'm never going to leave because of what I've witnessed. Brother Brandon, what do you mean? When you see something firsthand, remember Job fleshing back. I don't have the text in front of me. I'll probably mess it up, Brother Kevin. But I think about Job saying, I have heard of thee by the hearing of my ears, but now my eye has seeth thee. When you see something firsthand, it'll change your life. Brother Brandon, I have a longing to see what they've seen. Well, there's hotel rooms down there. I don't want them to know that you're there and you need to sit in the back. But if you want to come one year, I promise you, God will help you. Just sit on the property. God will help you. Brother Brandon, can you get me a room? Yeah, we'll get you. I'm not paying for it, but I'll get you a room if you want to go. Brother Brandon, I'd love to see what. I mean, I've, I've never seen some of these kids testify. I've never seen some of them go to the altar in public till this week. I've never seen God do things in his life. But as I begin to sit there as a youth pastor, you say, what do you do? Well, I go pray. But sometimes I just sit there in numbness watching Brother Josh, what God does in their life. I see them weeping for family members. I see them coming to me, asking, confessing sins, saying, can you help me pray about that? What does that? Seeing it. The power of God, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. Because of what I've witnessed, notice the onlookers. They were not in the tabernacle. The Bible says they were standing outside their tent door, but they still witnessed the power. Church, what these groups have witnessed and what we've seen God do in their life, we may never experience as a whole, as a church, firsthand. But when you have a burden to send them, when you have a burden to make a way for them to go, and they're high and lifted up, you get to see what your investment does in their life. You get to see it. Brother Brandon, how are they going to be Sunday school teachers and, and, and youth leaders and, and deacons and, and, and deacons' wives and preachers' wives and even preachers that I believe God's going to still call out of this group and God's got great plans for them. How are they ever going to get there? They've got to see it. You say, Brother Brandon, why in the world should I continue to, to give and continue to make sure they get to go? Because when you're sitting there, I told them in Sunday school this morning, I said, this is the only camp that half of them is ever going to get to see. That's the only camp. Now, I wish I could go back and you say, well, Brother Brandon, I wish we had this when I was a young person. I wish we had this. I'm thankful that God let me grow up, Miss Christie, in, in an era to where youth ministry was a high in our life. I'm thankful for the CYFs. I'm thankful for the youth rallies. I'm thankful for the meetings there in Tennessee at that park under a tent. I'm thankful for God just giving me a youth group. I'm thankful I still get to be a part of their life. But whether you get to go or not, you get to see what God does. And when you see God do something real, it'll never, ever make you want to leave. Most of the time on Sundays, and I'm just as guilty as anyone else, and Brother Brian's got to go. We can't stay every Sunday, but we, he says amen. We have a pattern. We go out that door and out that door. Every once in a while, God will give us a service, maybe at a revival meeting, maybe at a youth meeting, and everybody just lingers after the service. They're not talking about hot dogs. They're not talking about the Patriots. They're not talking about the Panthers. They're not talking about deer. They're just hanging around because nobody ever wants to leave. This week they dismissed, and of course they served cheeseburgers and cheese fries at 10, 30, or 11 o'clock. Lord help us every night. And uh, I mean, I'm ready to go to bed at 12 o'clock. I still got kids running everywhere coming in. Then they have the all about 1 o'clock in the morning, knock on your doors, wonder if you want to have milk and cookies. I said, I don't want no milk and cookies. I want to go to sleep. Don't wake up our kids. I called Brother Cameron the first day I was there, and I, and I said, I need some help. He said, what's the matter? I said, I need you to come to Georgia. He said, Brother Brandon, what's the matter? I said, these boys are unpacked. Their suitcases are where they're supposed to be. They're in the bed before lights out. They're not talking. They're sitting there. They're not doing nothing. He said, bless the Lord. That's terrible. And I said, I know. 
But by Thursday night, it was midnight, and I was chasing kids down because they was with other groups and everything. Listen, chasing girls and chasing boys. The boys were chasing girls. The girls were chasing boys. But I'm telling you, you said, Brother Brandon, what happened? They got to experience that there were 279 other teenagers that wanted the same thing they wanted, that wanted to have God in their life, that wanted to have something real. They may not get that at home. They may not get that at school, but they're going to get it at camp. Brother Brandon, why in the world can I not leave? Why do you never want to leave? I don't want to leave, Brother Allen. Because of the things I've witnessed. I've seen God do things for families. I've seen God do things for young people. One of them is going to be preaching this year at our winter challenge. Brother John, I was there that night. I seen what God done for him in a stairwell. I seen God, what a radical change it was in his life. Brother Brandon, why? Because when I think about leaving, Brother Dalton, there's times that, you, that it, I'm, not, I'm not going to be lying this morning. There's times you get to the point you say, Brother Brandon, I don't know if this is worth it. Or I don't know if I wouldn't just rather be a church member. I don't know if I just wouldn't rather do this. I wouldn't do that. But I'll tell you, then your mind goes back to standing at your tent, looking at the tabernacle, watching what God has done in their life. Brother Bruce, I'm never leaving because of what I've seen. What have you seen the Lord do in your life? We could go down the aisle, everybody this morning, we don't have the time, testimony after testimony of what God has done for your family, what God's done for your life, the memories that God's given you. There's been some good ones and there's been some bad ones. I'd be lying to these kids if I brought them home saying, listen, from now till December, there's going to be no problems. There's going to be no deadness in our church. Everybody's going to be full of the Holy Ghost, but that would be a lie. I know I'm bringing them back to a good church. Let me tell you, Brother Brandon, what should we do as adults? We ought to get some kind of piece of paper or a Bible and start fanning. Say, Brother Brandon, what about next Sunday? I don't want this Sunday to be a flash in the pan. I don't want to just hear them today, Brother Brian. I don't want to just see them come to the altar today. I want to see them come to the altar next week. I want to see them come to the altar a month from now. I want to see God do something in their life. Say, Brother Brandon, that's not normal. I don't care what's normal. I want to see God do it in their life, and I want to see God do it in our life. I'm not leaving because of what I've witnessed. And thirdly and lastly, I'm not leaving because of my family. You say, well, Brother Brandon, you've got two boys and a wife. I know that, but I'm talking about my family sitting behind me. This is my family. Now, this is, understand all of you are my family, but from here up, I'm giving you all to Brother Brian. I'm taking that group. They sing louder. All right, no, I'm just kidding. And they look better. Some of them look better, but not all of them. But this is our family. But you understand, this is my family. We sit down at a restaurant. People come up to us, and sometimes it's good comments. Sometimes it's bad comments. But they, we left Longhorn the other day coming home, and some guy said, man, it's quiet in here now. And I said, you're welcome. But uh, most of the time, they come up, and they say, man, what a blessing. Where have you been? These kids can say, we've been to teen camp all week. Jesus has helped our hearts. God's done something for us. That's like my kids bragging on the Lord. That's like my kids. Miss Paisley, women, women can't preach, but Miss Paisley is about the closest thing I've got in a youth group. And uh, the girls said this week, they said, we're nervous about testifying. We're going to let Paisley, hand, Paisley handle it because she's got it down pat. But uh, I'm just kidding. And she's not a preacher. She, she knows that. But she blesses my heart when she brags on the Lord. All of them bless my heart when they brag on the Lord. Brother Brandon, why can't I leave? Because of my family. Speaking of our youth. Verse number 11, the Bible says there was a young man. Joshua wasn't a 30-year-old man. He wasn't a 40-year-old man. He wasn't a 50-year-old man. He was a young man, Brother Brian, that got to the man of God, and he watched. He watched God do something to the man of God. It doesn't say that God asked Moses, where's Joshua? He's got to be here for me to do this. He didn't say, is Joshua in his place? Or I'm proud of Joshua. It wasn't about a pat on the back. It was about Joshua just being close enough to watch what God's going to do. I remember being a little child, and my kids still do it. Christian would be getting ready in the closet, and I'm like, boy, stay out of there. And they'll be going, Josiah will be going peeking through the door. And he'll be looking in there, making sure that his mama's everywhere. She, she can't get peace and quiet. She hides in the bathroom at home because sometimes she can get peace and quiet from the boys. But they're always looking for her. He'll go through the house. Mama, mama, mama. He's longing to be with her. He's longing to be with her. 
actually happened this week is just for a second, they were able to slide up to a table and they were to sit and watch what God can do through somebody. They were to sit and watch, Brother Josh, God called men to preach. God called young ladies and God people save people out of sins. And they were there to watch people, not in embarrassment, but coming forth and laying flat on the ground learning. We had one of the greatest illustrations on prayer. I said, Brother Brandon, I'm worried about falling in my life. I'm not going to do it this morning. But I, Brother Dean gave one of the greatest illustrations this week. He brought a boy up and he said, I'll teach you how not to fall in your Christian life. He said, get on the ground. That boy got on his knees. And he said, no, get all the way down. He got down and he had his head up. He said, put your nose in the grass outside. I got to witness that young man weep in the grass. He said, now fall from that position. Because if you're laying on your face before a holy God, you'll never fall. Amen. Brother Brandon, are they going to mess up? I know they're going to mess up. But as long as we keep them close to the Lord, they may fall, but they ain't going to fall far. Because when they fall, they're going to be automatically that close to the ground worshiping him. I'm not leaving because of my family. I'm not leaving because of what I've witnessed. I'm not leaving this morning because of my man of God. But I think about Joshua here, and I'm closing. I think about Joshua here. Because the man of God, he, because his man of God had entered the glory, he was able to witness firsthand what it took, what it looks like when God descends and consumes everything around you. When we get to the place that we can do something, when we get to the place that all we can do sometimes is fall on your face in awe in his presence. There have been times this week, and there have been times in my life, Brother Allen, when all I could do is just sit down and be overwhelmed at what I've seen God doing. It's almost like you're exhausted. Brother Mark gives the illustration one night. It was a high night at camp, and he went outside at his camper a few years ago. He just sit on the steps. Y'all have heard him tell that story. And his wife said, what's wrong with you? He said, just give me a minute. And he was so exhausted from seeing God move and just so mentally and physically drained that he could not move. And I'll be honest with you, there was times this week that our youth group went to the altar to pray that I let them pray by themselves. Brother Allen, I just sit back and almost in awe, almost in a numbness from God answering my prayer. This was the first time. I've had Carson. I've had Kylie. I've had Savannah. I've had Caitlin. I've had Garrett. I've had others. But this was the first time ever that I've had this group there. And, I, and you say, Brother Brandon, what did you wonder? Well, I wondered. My prayer, honestly, was that they would realize why we went to camp, that they would get it. Would they get it? Would this be one generation and done? Am I, am I done? Is this it? Are they going to get it? And I watched God prove faithful in their life this week. I watched God give them things that they'll never forget this week. Can I tell you, I don't know about anybody else this morning, and I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go back and sing that last song one more time. And, um, but I just want you to think this morning. You said, Brother Brandon, if really it really ain't that big a deal to me, I tell you, it's a big deal to them. And if it's not a big deal to you, please don't tell them. But if it is a big deal to you, I encourage you to stand behind them, let them know how much you love them, and keep pushing. Because they're going to be the ones that's going to be teaching your babies and your grandbabies. They're going to be the ones that's going to make a difference in this church. I don't care what's happening five miles. I'll just be honest with you. And I don't mean this ugly, Brother, Brother Brian. I don't care if we're the last church standing in Yakin County. I want them to still be standing. Amen. You say, Brother Brandon, and another thing I learned this week, and I hush, I learned a lot this week. But you say a lot of times people say you, you see churches and youth groups that seem like they have more and that they're bigger. And, you, and then you'll hear them say, well, faith is just jealous that they're not this big. And I used to say I'm not jealous, but I learned this week from a man of God that's wise in wisdom, Brother Dean McNeese. He said there's a difference in envy and jealous. He said envy is when, you don't, when you're not satisfied with what you have and you want what somebody else has got. But jealous is when somebody else is coming after what you've got. Can I tell you, I'm jealous over this youth group. I'm jealous when they go back to school. I'm jealous when they see, you say, Brother Brandon, why in the world when someone takes them away? I'm jealous over that. I'm not jealous because they're better than I am. I'm jealous because this church has invested, this church has worked, and I'm bound and determined that we're going to see them be something for God. 
I'm thankful for a church that stands behind them. Everybody's standing, every head bowed, and every eye closed. I'm thankful this morning. Can I tell you, Joshua just didn't want to leave. So, Brother Brandon, that didn't help me at all. Can I tell you, God just reminded me this week why I'm never leaving. Why I'm never leaving. I don't want my boys to wonder one day, my dad used to serve the Lord. My dad used to do this. My dad used to do that. Man, we used to go to camp. We used to do this. We used to do that. I'm not leaving. Brother Brian, 30 years from now when they're looking for me, I want to be in the same glory that I'm in right now. I want, to be, I want to be serving the Lord the same way I am right now because of my man of God, because of my family, because of what I've witnessed. What have you seen God do in your life? Let's mind the Lord today. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hiddings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service. And every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, and good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4, 
in verse number 12 they said neither is there salvation in any other for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved you might ask the question preacher how can I be saved that's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16 verse 30 and 31 he asked Paul and Silas he said sirs what must I do to be saved they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house Romans 10 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved you must ask God to save you I can't do it no one can do it for you Romans 10 13 said for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved if you know you're a sinner and if you're sorry for your sin and you believe Jesus died for your sins you simply have to ask him to save you and I say preacher how can I know for sure God will hear me but first of all the Bible tells us that we must be drawn John 6 and verse 44 Jesus said no man can come to me except the father which had sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God it said there the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and a contrite heart O God thou wilt not despise if God draws you by conviction if you're sorry for your sin you repent of them if you believe Jesus died for your sins and if you asked him to save you then the Bible declares you've been saved if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior then you've been forgiven of all your sin Romans 8 1 declares there is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit once a person has been saved they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.